guys, welcome back to Evil Bespian. I am here um, with three very special uh, people, uh, Eric, um, Mia, and Juan Pablo. Uh, Mia Valette <laughs> and uh, Juan Pablo Rivera Garza and Eric Rate, to be exact. Um, and is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Perfect. Phew. Oh my gosh. Um, thank you everybody for <laughs> coming here today. Um, I'm really excited to learn more about Lola's movie. I was looking at the description of the play and um, looks looks to me like it's about a filmmaker on the verge of a nervous breakdown. So where did this idea and who did this idea come come from? Oh, those those for me. Um, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I came up with the idea the night of the premiere of my first play, Fourteen Maple, mm-hmm. and I was. I've never written autobiographically, but obviously there's like autobiographical elements like within my work. And I was in the venue, and I was like, if a certain uh, person A were to see this, I don't think they would be very thrilled with me. And I thought about that and I'm like, am I morally correct for putting this on? Because in the play in Lola's movie, she writes or she like makes a film about like her friends and I was like, that's an interesting thing to explore. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like r- writing about real experiences and like the ethical implications of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically. Is it kind of nerve wracking to write something that is like maybe you experienced very viscerally and then like putting it out? I mean, I remember last we talked to you said that you just you leave no I, I don't do that anymore yeah oh, no. okay yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah and then no, I think people like listen to that and then like I like they got like there's like several people like no you need to like you need to stop doing that that's like super neurotic and like not helpful oh yeah, uh, yeah so I started watching my shows um yeah they've been I like them <laughs> and then they're they're pretty good eh <laughs> you watch them and you're like yeah not bad <laughs> um, no because the the uh, i work with only really good people mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um from my understanding um juan pablo is directing uh, mm-hmm. juan how did you get involved well, it's actually funny that eric uh brings up the premiere 14 maple because i believe i was there yes uh, you were that, <laughs> yes. Night, that <laughs> night uh and in fact i saw him kind of uh in the corner taking it all in and uh, <laughs> gave him some words of advice because I, I understand the feeling that he was having. I think that, um, <clears throat> so for background, I'm a filmmaker and this is my first time directing a, uh, a live theater. And um, a lot of my films are also autobiographical. So there's an element of that, that, that really uh, resonated with me, but um, you know, Eric and I are friends Uh live in different mediums for the most part and uh we were talking about his uh his new plays and he was asking me a lot of questions about film uh about um that world how it works how a feature film comes into being 
And I was answering him and I was starting to get a little interested as to what it was uh, leading to. And he told me about, uh, about this play and I was really intrigued. I asked him, please send me the script the second you finish it. And he sent me the first draft, I think. Uh, and I, I read it just couldn't, couldn't put it down. And, um, and we started talking about it and before, uh, before we knew it, we were working together on it. It was, it was kind of a whirlwind, but it, it was really a powerful script. I mean, I love Eric's work so much. I've, I've been an audience member to his, to his plays and always really enjoyed them and enjoyed reading his scripts as a friend, but this just really, it felt like it was worthy of the challenge of, uh, of trying, trying out live theater, which is so different from what I'm used to, but, um, that, that's how I got involved. Yeah. And then uh, I'm assuming uh, uh, Mia, you play the filmmaker. <laughs> am I am I onto something? You're you are onto something. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, and I became involved. I had met Juan, I I believe after you came to see a Child Death Song, which was a play, one of uh, Matt Gazda's plays that I was in earlier this year. Um, Juan and I met and had coffee. And we had a really interesting conversation um, and I could tell he was a really insightful, you know, interesting person. I think we had a, a good rapport. Um, and so we had sort of opened up the possibility that we might work on something together, you know, if the right opportunity came along. And when he approached me about this project, um, I was just really impressed by the way he spoke about it and the care and seriousness and obvious passion that he felt towards the play and the character and it was clear that he was bringing a kind of unique perspective as a filmmaker directing a play about film it was there was a very interesting cross-pollination of ideas and experiences happening happening there in a way that I was really excited about and um, we just had some really good conversations about the play and decided to work on it together. Yeah. What were some of the ideas and experiences that like really pulled you towards the project? Me personally? Um, well, I, I mean, think... I, I would say either or <laughs> anybody. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I think a big thing about, uh, about this play, it centers around uh, Lola Mm -hmm. uh, our lead character that's played by Mia. And uh, she's a filmmaker who uh, is on the cusp of premiering her uh, her feature film, which is a huge moment in a filmmaker's career. It's like really a graduation, you know, mm -hmm. to finally make a, a full length movie rather than short mm -hmm. films. And it's, uh, it's a really interesting period in her life because she's kind of in a... Uh, uh, she's kind of in a, in a moment between two eras of her life and it's an all happening in one night where she knows that nothing will be the same. The second that she has this premiere, which is supposed to take place in, in Metro in uh, the Metrograph, which is a, a theater, uh, a cinema here in, uh, in New York. And, uh, and all the experiences that led her to this point, all the like years and years of work that led her to this point are all coming uh, down on her psyche all at once in this one night. And it's a huge, huge uh, period of reckoning because she knows that 
it's almost like a, a kind of Christmas Carol situation where like mm-hmm. all the ghosts, ghosts of Christmas <laughs> past come yeah. and, uh, and, 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 and come to kind of confront her right before she has this moment of like transition into this new part of her career, of her life. And just, uh, you know, with everything Eric writes, I feel like there's so much on the surface level already, but there's such a, there's such a brilliant undercurrent um, that, um, can at times be be like uh, forgotten. And when I read that script, I sensed it. And upon rereading it and mining into the script, and then working with the actors, we really started to to, to find these like little these little parts, these little kernels of like of that story that that really made it transcend from just this uh, just a simple a simple story of just like a filmmaker who's about to premiere a film into something that was much more. It was a, it's, it, it's a real um, piece about like what it means to be an artist, what mm-hmm. it means to like have these, like this feeling of like this almost this dread that no matter what relationship you have, it's always going to be um, second to your art and, mm-hmm. and of service to your art. And, and I, I was just so taken by it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I had just, um, done a number of screenings of my recent short film which is called uh commuters and uh it was very much an autobiographical at times maybe too autobiographical of Mm -hmm. of a film and having all these people watch it was it was a lot and having the people in my life who you know were served as inspirations as parts of it Mm -hmm. um you know having to watch it and and having to confront elements of it it was very difficult. And so I just felt like I was in this like perfect, I almost felt like Eric wrote this for me, but I know he didn't, uh, you know, it was, it was that sort of feeling. And, yeah. and it sounds and, like, like yeah. it sounds like something that a, like a lot of people can relate to, like the confronting, confronting yourself as an artist through confronting others a little bit, um, or people who've influenced you. Um, and like confronting yourself through your own influence. How was the process of shaping the lead character uh, between all of you? She's on the page. And then once you start actually uh, working to shape and embody the character, what was that like? One thing that's been really interesting for me since I read the script and like continuing throughout the rehearsal process, um, which isn't complete yet, but Eric did a really great job, I, I think, in creating this character who has a lot of real contradictions in a very believable way. She's mm-hmm. both a saint and a monster. She is extremely like ruthless and uncompromising. And at the same time, she's utterly beholden to the like opinions and um behaviors of other people mm-hmm. so it's been interesting for me to sort of figure out how all of these things live together and though you know on the one hand it's something that I think as an actor and an artist I can relate to in a lot of ways but it's also pushed me in some different directions um in my work that I found exciting because it is such a, she's such a assertive person in a strange way for 
though she's very lost and kind of struggling to articulate, you know, her relationships and identities in certain ways. On the other hand, she's, you know, somebody who's extremely high functioning and extremely driven and able to take on a kind of leadership role in a certain mm -hmm. way that was an interesting thing for me to try to think about what that would mean to be somebody who's behind a camera, who's directing a film, running a crew, you know, as an actor, that's kind of not something that I feel innately comfortable with. So I've had mm -hmm. to sort of like look into myself, what kind of person would I have to be to do mm -hmm. something like that? And it's been like, I think, useful, interesting for me in, mm -hmm. to explore that tension. Yeah, like you, you seem like you're kind of envisioning, are you envisioning yourself like, what would it be like to be in a huge position of leadership for the first time? Yeah, that's yeah. that's well put. Yeah. And like, I mean, it sounds like a character who is extremely or, or seems extremely confident and uh, has already achieved some sort of self-idealization. But I think a lot of people who are perceived to be like, high, yeah, like you said, high functioning. You're cutting um, out for me. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> um, I was saying, yeah, a lot of people who seem to be like very just high functioning, assertive, confident, um, yeah, tend to just quickly heel turn on any kind of uh, opinion of other people, of others that like throws a wrench in the process. Um, so it's interesting. What what would you say? How how does this character kind of behave when it comes to like the conflict? like conflict or like major dramatic questions um like what do you what do you think is like probably the play or the character's uh main uh question um that's probably like ailing them the most i think there's a question of both you know the possibility of forgiveness and generosity and grace and i think it's a character who feels that she has been deeply wronged and deeply but at the same time feels that she has participated in unforgivable actions. And I think it becomes like a question for her and for the people around her of how do they make peace with who they are and with each other um, while perhaps like accepting that you can't undo the past and the consequences of your actions. Yeah. So there's a lot of themes of like re reconciliation um, and like, or at least, yeah, hoping or like uh, desiring some kind of like retribution, it seems. Um, what's probably like well, one of the- Well, I, I, yeah. I also just want to touch on that. I think another big thing on top of that is that there's a sensation sometimes amongst artists. It's like a desire to be normal, a desire oh, to like man. shed. Like, yeah, I don't want to. I I wish I could be. I always tell this to Mia in the in rehearsal uh, about her character. I always say, this is a person who wishes they could be just that like cool hot guy at a party who just sits at a couch and says nothing. And he doesn't want to say you anything. You read my mind. <laughs> and he he doesn't <laughs> want to say anything. He does. Yeah. And everyone thinks he's so cool. Everyone leaves mm -hmm. the party and says, "That guy was really cool." 
and he didn't say anything. And that's that's like while the artist, on the other hand, is like they have a feeling they have to talk, they have to be constantly <laughs> on, they have to be, and it and it comes at I think at its core from a level of insecurity. Mm-hmm. But it's also because I think that for whatever reason, whatever the genetic like you know key factors that were switched on and off uh, mm-hmm. to make you creative. I think part of it is that um, you just have an ability to look at the world and perceive things and are unable to turn that off. And it makes you unable to be completely normal. And and it's something that I think her character struggles with because she wishes she could be that guy, but she also doesn't want to be that guy because she thinks she's so you know, it's, it's also an egotistical thing. I'm, I'm so good. I'm able. I'm the chosen I'm... one. <laughs> exactly. Which I yeah. think every, every artist in some way has felt that moment of like crazy, you know, mania where mm-hmm. they think, oh, wow, I'm, I'm God's gift in a sense. And, um, and so it's kind of like dealing with these two very different conflicting feelings, which I really do think that a lot of artists feel it's this both desire to be normal and this belief that they're too good to be normal that's at conflict with each other an internal conflict Mm -hmm. that also just ruptures her own relationships i mean this is a person who who realizes she can't have a normal relationship because she's going to write about it eventually you know or she's going to she's going to cause something in the relationship in order to mine some conflict for some some movie and she hates that about herself but she acknowledges it's inevitable Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really connect with that a lot at my former workplace. I was told a lot like, Maddie, you don't have to have a comment on it. Like, it's just a job. It's just a job, Maddie. You don't have to have a problem with everything. But because like, I love dramaturgy and I love conflict um, and I love the art, like the art of, of conflict and like the galaxy that like, is conflict. Um, I, I, it's like something, it's an impulse. Um, and I really relate a lot to like that feeling of being normal or yeah, aspiring to be normal. I don't know, Eric, like, what do you like envision yourself? Do you also feel this way? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what's the question? Do you feel, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like, uh, do you ever wish like you were that guy that is like normal? <laughs> you know? I, maybe I am that guy. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would. I would say so. Yeah, definitely. But... <laughs> um, I just write about neurotic people because it stretches me. Because I'm. I am actually what Juan was just saying. I do no, but um, yeah, I do. I do wish I was that guy. Yeah. Um, I feel yeah. anxious a lot. Um, hmm. and I uh. Yeah, and I guess like, oh, my dad was saying that he he was you know like going to show business and it's like the cliche is that it's like to make up for like some sort of like underlying insecurity and I think that's mm-hmm. true. Um, yeah, yeah, I do feel that way. There's I a... feel like most people do. I feel like oh wait no, it's Sam. Sam during rehearsal said that he was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that like everybody oh, yeah, he did. Question, yeah. yeah, but Sam was like, "No, I actually, I do sit at parties and say nothing." He is but that guy. Before t- I met him, I was totally like, "This guy is really yeah, he's so cool." Um. <laughs> yeah, but he's I, playing I that guy in the in the mm-hmm. in the play. So <laughs> yeah. perfect, perfectly cast. 
um there's this uh there's a psychoanalyst i really like her work her name is Catherine horny and she t- she writes primarily about uh the neurotic ar- archetype or um, neuroticism and how that manifests in your work life in your personal life and she says that um some of a like a neurotic expression of self-idealization is largely um, kind of like a doing away with inner conflict. And I think that's really interesting because sometimes the self-idealization is like, this actually was the con- my inner conflict and I like conquered it. And like, I'm a very, I'm like a leader and I'm like parting the seas. And there's obvious, this, it's the, the very neurotic, like the going and going and like, not stopping it's kind of like there's something (laughs) there's something going on here underneath um oh yeah yeah Juan would you say that um like I don't really know anything about like filmmakers would you say that like film people are different than theater people or is there just a huge overlap um (laughs) I think I think it's interesting because like uh in film like the position of a director it's such a you you can achieve auteurship there in a way mm-hmm. that maybe can't be done in live theater like live theater is way more not not that filmmaking isn't like filmmaking is collaborative but a lot of like the creation of a play like the actual inception of everything building it all out happens with the actors in a way where in film it's it requires a person who's ready to straddle both like working with the actors, figuring out like hammer angles or lenses or special effects, post-production or sound, you know, these are things that like, when it's centered on one person, it becomes like kind of like a true like moment of auteurship in the sense Mm -hmm. that they they literally are the authors of this thing. And it also, it's a position of huge power and responsibility. And with it, it comes like, you know, a lot of pitfalls, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, like, I think most filmmakers are, tend to be very egotistical, you know, because you have mm-hmm. to be, because you have to have that irrational belief in yourself mm-hmm. in order to, like, be like, I can make a film, I should be the one making this film, I can, I can, I can control all these dials and knobs, um, but it also is, a it, every single filmmaker I meet, whenever we sit down and we have a coffee or a drink and we're talking about it, just like a filmmaker to filmmaker, and it doesn't matter which scale I've talked to, I've talked to like big movie directors for like blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And it is always a feeling of like, I'm not good enough. I'm mm-hmm. a fraud. I'm, you know, people hate me actually. And can you uh, usually tell like without like them disclosing? Oh yeah. But even yeah. just like, it, it spills out. It's almost like you can't do that in front of like everyone else in your crew or your cast. Mm-hmm. And then you meet someone who's like, not even like necessarily your equal on like the level of success, but just like someone who gets it, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it happens so quickly. Like when I meet some people, like, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was talking to a director who's actually very famous, like randomly <laughs> at this event. And he was just telling me how, I was telling him how much I enjoyed his recent film, which he was he he, he was very uh, um, uh, depressed about how the reaction to, and I was telling him how how inspired I was by it, and 
literally for 40 minutes i was just telling him like how great he was and he's i'm like i'm I'm probably you know kissing your butt too much and he's like no i need this i need this like i i feel mm-hmm. i need someone to tell me and mm-hmm. and when you talk talk to these people I, I just find it very interesting because it's like you're in a position of huge power and then you have mm-hmm. that requires like this like projection of confidence that maybe isn't necessarily what's happening inside oh. so you're just human ultimately Yeah, something that I'm, I always find myself being like very conflicted with when it comes to kind of sussing people out is I always have some sense of sympathy for the guy who's like very egotistical, but there's such a dead giveaway that they just (laughs) need to be like, you know, (laughs) kind of like cared for, like be very gentle and like soft they, they just need somebody to like validate something because it's like more, more, more. But on the other hand, I feel that um, sometimes I do like people who are uh, confident in the fact that they are insecure. But then on a third hand, I don't like it's like how who how to how can one be, you know, sometimes I would I love to just be honest about the fact that I don't know what I'm doing then I get insecure about that. Like, does, does anybody else feel like this? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nice to be that way, but I also think like, that's the problem with the filmmaker. It's like, you yeah. cannot be like that on set. I think it is Peter Almodovar be... said, yeah, you yeah. have to be on. Like Peter yeah. Almodovar said um, something I always think about, like, which is when you're on set as a director, you have to answer a thousand questions. Mm-hmm. And you have to have an answer, even if you don't yeah. know it, you know, yeah. and like that, that's, that's the thing, like in order for a production to be done, you need to be able to to do that. You can't just be like, and that doesn't mean you, you know, everything you don't like, you have to like find a way in order to like communicate with people and find a way to like collaborate with them to like fill the gaps in your knowledge or your skill or talent. But, um, in order for like these kind of productions to work, it requires a really strong authority figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, just in the way that that it it's worked in film for for a long time, or else it mm-hmm. falls apart, and uh, and it, then it just becomes like a film by committee. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't work, you know. Like that's not how people are at their core. So you know, mm-hmm. something has to give eventually. Yeah, I think making something. Juan had some funny. Um... Oh no, you can. Go. Oh no, Mia, you can go. <laughs> Sorry, it's cutting no. out for me, so I, I could. Um, You're but no, I was just gonna say Juan had some um, funny like insights for me on how like filmmakers think about actors that was sort of funny to hear when he's like walking me through how the character would be relating to this person that she's chosen to embody herself and why someone might choose to do that in a film as like a you know an ego ideal projection. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fun kind of thing we talked a lot about, I think, in rehearsals is what would that mean to think like a filmmaker and like a director? Well, what do you think it means? Well, um, I mean, I'm not an act. I've only acted in one thing, which was my middle school production of Edgar Allan Poe as like it was like a play about Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. and I played Poe. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, ironically enough, but um I, I think it's really funny because, you know, a filmmaker is so obsessed with the aesthetics of things because everything 
you know, it's building an audio visual landscape. Like when you, when you pick someone for an autobiographical thing, there is some sort of subconscious desire to have the person who embodies you to be like a more perfect version of yourself, a Mm -hmm. cooler version, a more attractive version. I mean, there's a reason certain people are behind the camera and certain Mm -hmm. people are in front of the camera, or at least like maybe that's the mentality a lot of filmmakers have. Like, you know, I've had actors come up to me and they're like, I really want to talk to this filmmaker, but I'm nervous. And like, they are more afraid of you than Mm -hmm. you are of them. Like they think you're cool. That's good for like, us to hear. Yes, seriously. You know? I actually didn't know that because yeah, I'm, neither did I. Yeah. Oh, I love act. I love actors. <laughs> I'm just. I'm in. I. Yeah. I don't know. I find film to be such. Uh, like Juan, you said, like it's huge undertaking and requires so much. Uh, it's sometimes like blind competence. I'm like, yep, we have to do this, and we have to. It needs to look like this, and even if I don't know, I'm just gonna say that this is gonna be the cut. Um, this is a lot to juggle. So it seems to me like huge intellectual undertaking. Um, and I don't know, Mia, I don't know how you feel about this, but I've always been very interested in what it means to be an auteur as an actor, or if actors can be auteurs in their own way. Cassavetes. Yeah. Yeah. Auteur who's an actor. Yeah. But do you mean like an auteur as an actor, like creating your own path of what it means to be an actor, your own style? I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like, yeah, I think so. Maybe like a certain approach or I don't know. Maybe, maybe actors can't be auteurs. Maybe maybe actors are like, I guess, yeah, Juan, maybe you're right. Like actors are like the cool, normal guy that's like saying, <laughs> not saying anything. Um, well, sometimes, you know. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then it's like, and then they're like, the actors are maybe more like self-involved or not self-involved, but like really into it. Mm-hmm. They end up being the producers. That's true. Later down the line or like, directors themselves or writers Mm -hmm. you know like I think of like obviously someone like Tom Cruise like that's a guy who like he needs to he needs to do it (laughs) yeah 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 but even or like Cassavetes is like an example of it or like you know maybe they become a teacher you know it's it's hard because like as an actor and this is just once again you guys have a much better idea because you you live it um, I just watch it but they're, they're people that have to embody a role that's been written for them. They have to like put on mm-hmm. a costume and they have to play like a part. And um, there's some leeway with that, but there's only so much, you know, like um, a, a director in the end of the day, they, they, they're thinking about the service of the whole story beyond just the role, you know, and mm-hmm. it's a very different position, I feel like. And I don't know, the relationship between directors and actors are fascinating. And mm-hmm. we've really mined that in this a lot. I mean, this is really like a play that really that really tries to answer those questions. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah. I um, was wondering since you, I mean, the, there are a lot of, there are a lot of questions. Um, I was wondering if, uh, since you mentioned that like rehearsals not quite over yet is there a certain idea or experience that um you um have yet to like tie any loose ends up on or is there a certain subject 
on the, about the play that you're kind of working on now or muscling through? I think we, we kind of built it in pieces. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different pieces and relationships between the different um, sort of different parts of Lola's life. And her life is kind of fragmented in this way mm-hmm. between past and future. So now I think we have three more weeks, which is a substantial mm-hmm. amount of time. And a big part of what we're going to be doing is putting all those pieces together in a really strong, you know, so we sort of built this foundation and now we have to sort of see how, what it means to like take the whole journey all together. Yeah. I think. When, when you uh, stage it or when you guys have uh, started staging it, do you go chronologically or do you go like maybe start with a a certain, um, I guess maybe it's a small cast, so probably not, but I just wanted to know if you stage it like, like first uh, first scene to the last or maybe you work in the middle I only ask because I've I've only done it I've never done like a stage like chronologically before yeah we're 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 staging it chronologically Mm -hmm. we kind of what we did is is um you know we have a cast of uh five people and Mm -hmm. the play is split up in these like really nice pieces Mm -hmm. where we have um basically two characters from her past two characters from her present, the two characters from her present kind of live in the same scenes together, you know, like we're seeing them together. And the two characters from her past come in at different times. And those 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 scenes are so huge, like the emotional cruxes of this, uh, uh, of this play. And they required a lot of like breaking out into just doing that scene over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because like, the Lola that exists in the present compared to like the Lola that existed in the past relationships is a different, is a very different person. It's a person who's, who's grown out of a lot of things. And so um, what I really wanted to do with Mia is just kind of build out this like person who has these contradictions and have these two sides of that contradiction really fleshed out so that we as an audience can really see that. Now that we're coming coming together in like these final weeks, we're we're building up that like how is that going to look like when we're staging it together? How are we going to weave it in all together? How is everyone going to you know when they have to leave? You know, mm-hmm. basic blocking stuff. Mm-hmm. But really, what mattered to me the most, and 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 like the nearly I want to say three, almost three and a half months of rehearsals that we've done on this, uh, which is quite a bit, honestly, mm-hmm. is that we wanted to build out a really robust um, character uh, set of characters that mm-hmm. are fully people in and of themselves. Like they're full of contradictions. They're interesting. They're compelling in the same, like in the same way that a person on the street is compelling because they're just a human being. They're, mm-hmm. they're almost impossible to define, define fully. fully. And that's really what we've done. Um, and I don't, and, and, you know, I, I say that because the actors that are in this, like Mia, I'm immensely fortunate that I've, I've gotten to work with her. Like the first time I saw her in Child Death Song, I mean, it was, it was incredible. Uh, and if you've ever watched that play, um, you know, you, I'm sure you would agree. Like, um, and just working on this with her, that she, she's, she's an immensely focused person. And this is a this is a role that requires a lot of discipline, but also like containing a lot of truths 
that contradict with each other all at once. And she does that just so perfectly. She has such an incredible way of, of expressing herself. Uh, and I'm always blown away in rehearsals. And, and, and so nice the other, thanks Juan. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and the, and the other four are also just immensely talented, you know, and, and this is like, you know, when, when I said like, one of the things I really like about Eric's plays is like on the surface level, I love his plays. Like they're fun. They're interesting. Mm -hmm. Washington was a fun comedy. You know, we had a good time, but there is always like a really fascinating undercurrent. And this is something I find in my own scripts too, where it's like, I write it at first and I look at them and I'm like, this is a good story, but now I really got to mine into it. Why did I write this story? Why did these stories come out like, like that? And you start to uncover these like, parts of your subconscious almost like that are trying to peek out in your own work and trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. And that's really been the process with th this play with Eric. It's like, we start to look into it and we start to talk about it and, 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 and working with the actors and Eric's in the room and you could see him just kind of be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's what I meant <laughs> yes. to tell myself, yeah. you know, in that yes. moment. And, well, it's and, good. and then we go with that. But that's the thing. It's like, there's a, there's a complexity in there that, um, can be missed. But the good thing is, is that like all of us came into this production with one goal in mind, which is like, we are, we are not going to like half-ass anything. Mm -hmm. This says to be like a hundred percent of people are paying money to come here. You know, we want to give them something that's like, that's true. That's real. That has that, like that, that indescribable feeling of like, uh, that connects, connects you. Mm -hmm. to to the source material and um and so yeah that's that's kind of what we've been mm -hmm. working on yeah and one has rant. been like it really um one thing that we approached like just building on that and um was the relationships you know i think juan had a very and i we kind of touched on this before with the relationship of actor director but the way that we tried to build authentic seeming romantic partnerships and people who were best friends and lived together mm -hmm. and you know Juan was really uncompromising about it in a way that I really appreciate like at the beginning he was very you know willing to say I don't believe you I don't believe that you you know been intimate I you know these are not two people who have dated or slept with each other and we kind of kept repeating a lot of things um, many times to try to create that sense of lived in authenticity that was really important to him and something that I think you stressed from the very beginning that you need these these couples and these people to feel like they've lived together and yeah um that was a fun part of rehearsal well I I really first of all that that is like probably the most fun part to me like usually if I I always feel like there has to be some sort of like repetitive nature to like get comfortable. And then when people see it, cause I feel like people can tell usually. Oh yeah. Like oh, I yeah. can always tell I'm like, I see them acting. I know they're acting, but there's some strange hover hand going on, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I really like that because yeah, the, I mean, because the relationships are the most important part. Um, it's like the, the core of, of, of the conflict. What, um, yeah, what, what kind, so did you just totally. do the scenes over and over again? Well, <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's funny because like the film that I had just done, Commuters, which I mentioned earlier, um, 
it centers around a couple and one of the opening scenes is them together in bed mm. and something i stressed with my actors there was like people people have great bullshit detectors they can tell immediately oh, like yes a these people have never slept together okay fine B, they've never seen each other naked. And the thing that I always say to them, it's like, you need to seem so comfortable with each other that like you have seen each other on the toilet. Like, uh, which is yeah. like kind of like a, a little bit of a grotesque way of like putting it, but it's true. Like we need to, you can't, you can't just like go into the intimacy without earning it through rehearsals and mm -hmm. through working with the, with the scene partner and feeling comfortable. And so we, we build like kind of a, a space where a the actors are safe mm -hmm. and they're comfortable and we allow them like i i don't need repetition of lines i need to be able to like first build some sort of like connection yeah where like there is a physical feeling where they're not leaning away from each other immediately like even a slight yeah <laughs> and so like one yes. of those things it was like let's i you know we put them all the way up close to each other. Obviously, like they, mm -hmm. they, I asked first and they said they were down yes. with it. And they got all the way close to each other. Like, you know, I think arms outstretched in a T pose and like so close they were almost touching but weren't. And just stand there and like mm -hmm. talk to each other. And it's a silly, it, it sounds silly, but it's, it's just like, you have to break down that physical barrier yeah. and you have to break down like that feeling of intimacy because ultimately, like, I really do think like, you know, I, I really ascribe to that uh, Hitchcock sort of feeling, which is like, you know, in film, which is like the audience is a voyeur and they, they want to be a voyeur. They, mm -hmm. they want to look at things in, the intimate and personal lives of people um it's almost like upgraded people watching and yes yeah. when you come into a play and you see a couple if you see a couple that used to be together you want to feel a tension that feels real and doesn't feel like uh it doesn't feel put on um because so much of that scene in particular lives on that tension it doesn't just live on like you know we have our witty back and forth uh lines like i told them like these lines don't matter like mm -hmm. they do but what really matters is like you're saying something without saying it in words and mm -hmm. and so that was big i mean um yeah. and they really went for it and it's tough it's not an easy thing like i couldn't do it you know yeah. that's why i'm not the actor i get to be <laughs> the one that tells them they're not doing it right but uh <laughs> and 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 mia and sam just like they they really went for it and it took a while but i'm really proud of it i mean mm -hmm. i think mia can definitely speak more towards that experience yeah yeah mia did you like have a how quickly did it take to get to like a sense of ease with the the characters relationships there was definitely like a learning curve i feel where i felt like okay we're saying the lines we're acting the lines mm -hmm. but then as we started to you know mine the deeper levels of the script and the relationship i think there were certain points where we would kind of like break through to the other side and then mm -hmm. one would stand up and look relieved and say yes finally now yeah. you, you, that's it um which was like very rewarding because it kind of felt like you know climbing a mountain or something mm -hmm. there was some it it took some time also because 
the way I think Eric's writing the banter is so good that it's easy to like live on that level of just in the words. Um, mm -hmm. So we had to kind of push ourselves away from that. I think. Yeah. A there's time. a lot, there's a lot of like physicality. Like it sounds to me like there's a lot of physical um, exercises maybe that you had to do or kind of what was like the exercise, like warm up approach. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. I think it's really yeah. effective. It um, is, yeah. I mean, I I feel like I need to warm up before like I go to work. Um, I was in or I worked on this uh, play in college. Uh, we uh, major Barbara and I did that in college too. Oh my god, it's the <laughs> yeah. and we did the whole thing like the two uh, intermissions, the whole bit, wow. and um, I forget the character's name, but it's like the main old guy. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, Thank you. And um, every single night, uh, yeah, one of our professors played like the, the one main old guy. And every single night, uh, he would be in the dressing room and nobody else in there. And he would close his eyes and like pretend that he was dancing. He would just dance around. Aww. And it was really and very effective. Um, and I just think usually, I mean, for me as an actor, if I have to be in a place where I have to have like a very connect, like, very intimate connection with another actor I usually just like yeah let, let's start with a hug you know yeah um, yeah that's like the best way and um it, it yeah I think moments like that uh in like the work of an actor it makes me think a lot about how human touch is like just a secondary language that's like really a huge need for everybody um and sometimes I will see actors have you ever watched that um reality show love is blind I know they have. okay well they they meet each other and they do, they oh, only talk yes, to yes. yeah they only talk to each other but they can't see each other and then when they decide like yeah I want to marry this person but I've never seen them and they meet each other for the they meet their fiance for the first time and you can always tell the couples that like just don't have a physical chemistry and they don't want to <laughs> and they don't want to act like it either um and it's always like that feeling of like oh like it's just so much tension but like not good tension <laughs> yeah exactly um, and then, and then also like i think the thing that's really interesting in this specific scene that we're talking about in our play is like mia and sam uh, uh sam vita are uh, who's playing Josh in the play, they have this, it's like a, it's really electric. What's, what's, what's come together because you have a scene that plays out obviously in the words that's happening. You see two people that used to be together, see each other for the first time in two years, people who like, they were the first significant relationship in each other's lives. Mm. And you could feel the like sexual tension that would exist in a situation like that beyond just like whatever other issues there yeah. are, you know? Um, and, uh, and it's also on top of that, it's layered by this like kind of feeling that they're both reverting back into these previous roles in the relationships. They're both infantilizing themselves to be back in that time when they were younger and mm -hmm. they were in that relationship. And it's like, these layers work so well with these, you know, these two incredible actors were able to like take this like, it's, it's a complex thing, but it, it, it builds something that, and I mean this like, you know, not in a braggadocious way, but it's something that like audiences need to see because this mm -hmm. is, this is something that like, it's a real triumph of their acting 
it it, it elevates the script which it, the script is already amazing but it gives it like the space that it it, it needs to like really become something bigger than just than, than just like a script reading mm -hmm. and that yeah. and that and, and that's what really happened and so you're seeing this kind of physical acting happening on top of the actual acting of like saying what's yeah. happening and and i i i'm just so impressed like i said you know i'm seeing the final product in rehearsal and it's it really is so impressive um so yeah I, I really like what you said about like the re past relationships and like infantilizing. Do you guys feel like you, do you ever feel like you think about like your first like real intimate relationship with another person outside of your family? Like, do you think that influences a person's like personality? <laughs> Wait, all? what do you mean intimate? Like boyfriend, girlfriend? Uh, I would say boyfriend, girlfriend or, or maybe platonic friend that's very like has like a very like intimate like closeness like familial closeness oh, okay yeah. okay yeah i because i i just feel like sometimes i'm like oh it's like that romance nostalgia where i'm like oh, the good old days you know um and it is sort of like a seeing your past self and wondering like oh if i can make a movie about this <laughs> you know um yeah and they just know you in this way that's yeah. so like special. I mean, that's a thing that we we really you know worked on here. Mm -hmm. It's like you have these people in her past, and they're people that uh, that almost know her more in a, an authentic way than the yeah. people in the present. You know, because they saw her in a light that wasn't just I'm Lola mm -hmm. directing a movie. You know, like these people in her past saw Lola like you know. I'm vomiting because I drank too much or like, you know, yes. I'm nervous about the test or, you know, like they saw her as a person mm -hmm. and in the relationships that play out. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Sam, but I also want to uh, bring up Rielle McKellum, who's also in this, who's fantastic. Just like, I'm honestly, I can't, I, I worked with her a while ago and I'm so happy that she's in this, but she, she plays the role of Sunny. Uh, who's uh, who's Lola's uh, former best friend. And there's a feeling like the chemistry that Mia and Riel have. It's like, I feel like they're, they're people that have known each other forever. And it's like, it's perfect. They speak on a language at a level in a language that feels so different compared to the people in her present. Mm -hmm. um, and so I agree, like you see someone from your past and it, 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 there's a nostalgia to it. You know, like, especially in these relationships with these characters, you know, this was not, this relationship is over, it's done. Mm -hmm. But there's this, there's this yearning on both parties, parts to like go back to that normalcy, mm -hmm. even though like you care. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's a big, it's a, it's a big part of this play. And um, I find even in my, rehearsals just reflecting on my past relationships you know mm. um and, and it is affecting and i know yeah. i know like just mia like talking to her about this stuff i mean it, it is require it requires a lot of there's a lot of emotional catharsis happening mm -hmm. uh for us in these rehearsals so yeah and that was something juan was also felt very strongly about from the beginning is that we 
try to be vulnerable and bring our personal experiences, not in a prying way, you know, no one's compelled to share anything they don't want to, but we did try to create a space where we spoke about these kind of personal connections, people in our lives that remind us of these characters, um, you know, because everybody has people they've had to leave behind for one reason or another. And it's, mm -hmm. it's something that I know I think about every day and that has really marked and shaped my life. Um, and I really liked how, Juan, I think you had a very specific vision for how what is different about past and future. And we really tried to make that clear with Violet and Addie as well, who play the people that I'm close to now, who are um, the, the actress that I'm working with and my manager. Mm -hmm. And what happens now in these relationships that have already been formed when there is a level of success involved and how mm -hmm. does that pollute the relationship in different ways and make intimacy more difficult and so there's something kind of sad there when you see you know maybe things won't go back to the way that they were but you hope for this character that she'll you know find people she can yeah. really be close to again that's that's really good too because the audience is it's always good when like an audience like is like really like hoping <laughs> like for a, a character to find some kind of like reconciliation with like a, a, pr a past or a present um i i mean this is a very common question but you mentioned bringing you know talking having those like personal conversations in the rehearsal space do you ever bring like take all of that and like bring it home with you and does that become part of like the actor homework I think so. Whether you whether you want it to or not, it just I mean, does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it does it go lingers. there. I mean, yeah, I'm in my early 30s, so I'm always kind of asking a lot of questions about what would oh. I do differently in my oh 20s. My yeah, I, I will <laughs> be 29 in like a couple weeks, so yeah. So <laughs> I'm <you'll>... like, <laughs> holy shit! Like it's yeah. weird. But it's yeah. a beautiful time in one's life, though. How old is the character? Is she also, like, 30s? It says she's 29 in the script. Okay, perfect. Yeah, oh, a great yeah. age. I was like, wait, how old is Lo? <laughs> yeah. But, but that's, that's one of the things that's so perfect about Mia being in this role. It's, it's like a feature film. It's almost impossible to, like, make one before you're 30. You know, very rare. Um and it's Something especially happens, harder for yeah. <laughs> especially for a young woman. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. The average age mm -hmm. for a, a a the first when when a female director makes their first film it's higher than a male uh, male director, unfortunately, and it's typically around mm -hmm. 35, 36. So you know it adds an element of realism there. Well, why um, is that? Do you think? Well, I think just in general, like making a feature, it's hard. You have yes. to convince a bunch of people to give you money. And you have to have a, an amount of authority and experience. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you're like Steven Spielberg, who did his first one when he was 25, like, you know, um, and that's a rarity. Mm -hmm. You're mostly looking around like 28 to like 35, somewhere around. How that, old was like, Sofia Coppola? I mean, of course, she's coming from kind of a specific oh, yeah. circumstance. Wait, yeah. good question. Yeah, that's a good question. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tough, and like uh, originally in the script, Eric had her um, um, as a 24 year old. Um, 
And I and I told Eric, like, there is no way in hell a 24-year-old is making a feature film. And it's not just a feature film. It's a feature film that's premiering at Metrograph. That's, like, really good. And people that's a good one. It's a good to. one. Yeah. That's, that's my is favorite. What, that's, my favorite. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah hey, I Xavier, feel like... Xavier Dolan. Xavier Dolan. Oh, oh yeah. That's true. Yeah. But he just quit filmmaking today. So. Oh yeah, no, that's it was, that's what it was, I was too hard. Yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> he, just, he, just announced, he just announced it. But yeah, no, it, and and it actually works on another level because you have these kind of like the people from her past are more in like Mia's age strata, mm-hmm. and then the people in her present are much younger. And it mm. th- there's this slight micro generational divide between yeah. these like two two parts that like. It's not something that it, it's just like naturally occurring between mm-hmm. the, the the these two groups where when Mia talks to these uh, people in her past, there's more of a candor or like an ease of communication that maybe doesn't exist with someone who's like 22, you know, and yes, uh, it's I so really slight, relate. but it's, it's this. <laughs> yeah. And it works much to our benefit in building out these kind of um past and, and, and present relationship. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so hard? I mean, it's at least kind of a little difficult for me to build uh, platonic friendships with people who are like more than four or five years younger than me, or there's some kind of language barrier sometimes. And uh, I don't know, why is that? <laughs> I have a couple of opinions, but sometimes I'm like, I don't want to be too mean, but I just have more life experience now that I'm, I'm proud of, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think it's part of that, you know? Yeah. Go ahead, Mia. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say in favor of intergenerational friendship, some of my best friends are exers and I, you know, I forgive them oh, okay. their, their exer sins. I've learned a lot from them. Okay. So well, if you can, that's bridge- a better, that's a more optimist. I, re- I like that. <laughs> I, that's a more, much more optimistic <laughs> outlook on life. And maybe I've just had some experiences, honestly. Um, I also think, you know, it's, it's hard to like graduate college and leave your parents' house. I mean, that's a really hard time um, in life, you know, so. Sorry, there's a thunderstorm going on, like, literally right now. <laughs> I don't know if you hear it, but I, was, I literally just saw um, a single stream of lightning outside my window. Oh, nice. um, anyways, no, I I, um, I I actually recently talked to somebody who graduated theater school in COVID. Um, and I just had so much respect because, I mean, I remember when I graduated college and it was just like free balling like I just do whatever I I was like great it was the time of my life um but this person I was just like wow that's it takes a lot like a lot of building up of resilience at a very young age and it's like something I really respect because I just I didn't do anything I really respect these younger people because they seem to have it much more together than I did see maybe that's yeah see maybe yeah that's probably my problem because so many people like so a lot of younger people have like really together and I think it's mostly me being like you don't know anything I was rocking out when I was your or I don't know but <laughs> yeah I think yeah you're totally right um well what about the people in her past uh do you think there's a sense of insecurity with people 
when somebody knows you so well and is like knew you when you were like rocking out or whatever sometimes I like do you ever get like is this sense of insecurity when someone like just knows you so well I think it's uh you can't hide as much Mm -hmm. behind like some sort of perceived authority like Lola has this kind of position of power with her actor or her actress um it's played by Addie Goodry um uh as Meadow uh or uh Violet Trotter plays the manager uh June like they're 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 subservient to like Lola in a sense you mm-hmm. know and it's that feeling of like what I was saying earlier you're a director and you're on set and you have a thousand questions and you have to answer all of them even if you don't know the answer yeah. you know uh and they they take the answer for face value her friends though would know that she's kind of bullshitting her way through some of this stuff you know uh her friends from her past because they know her in a way that it's like less um there's less of a stratification or hierarchy mm-hmm. and it's it's funny because like um you know i'll talk to um i'll talk to my my friends who are like old friends who have seen me like you know, I, I was hanging out with my friend who knew me when I was like a 10 year old and we were both in Boy Scouts together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he just thinks it's really funny that people listen to me, you know, <laughs> so like, you know, like, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of that feeling. So, uh, it's but there's an authenticity there. Oh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's a silly thing we do, but, yeah. you know, like... It's strange, you know, when you have friends that start to make it big and you see how other people behave towards them and it's needing or other people need things from them. And it's, yeah. it can be a really strange, like, dynamic, um, you know, when you, like, knew them when they were just, like, nobody. Yeah, it it's... I have a friend who like went on to become like a huge um, part of like the uh, Marvel franchise. And to me, like uh, from an actor's perspective, I'm like, it's wow, that's a great job. Like they're doing their job. Um, And then there's all these other like reactions and like, wow, I knew that person when I was like, when we were young, like I want this or like, this is like, I can't stop. Like, to me it's like wow I knew that person and now when we were younger and now they're doing a job um it is a, it is a weird thing to witness though <laughs> it is strange yeah. especially when we're very like we kind of only can connect through like screens and um I often wonder like wow what if I what if there was a person from my past that I didn't have access to through the internet but I just randomly bumped into them on the street like would there be some kind of visceral like would I fall over like faints or something, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Um, well, there's like a huge tsunami outside, outside of my window right now. So mm-hmm. um, we're, com- we're kind of coming up on time, but I wanted to ask like a really random weird question. Is there anything about this um, rehearsal process or this play that scares you either um, personally not maybe not just like maybe the ideas scare you or <laughs> um i have maybe to go through so. times i have to go through times square to get to our rehearsal space so that's pretty yeah that's okay. terrifying wow. that's actually get, no, that's like a really good answer i get so, i get, I get, I get so accosted by the uh the elmos and whatnot wow. there are people yeah. dressed as elmos 
I think I think the thing is with any project, whenever you put in a lot of yourself into it, and then like Mia said, like I sat down all the actors very early mm -hmm. on, and I told them like, you know, I'm gonna ask you a lot, a lot of you by asking you to be vulnerable and open uh, in this process because I think it'll it'll bring out a lot um, within you guys. But mm -hmm. it's also not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And I have to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm a person who very much like when, when they're working in a project becomes very deeply affected by it. And I think especially for a, a, a play that centers around a young director who has to reckon with like the responsibility of being an artist and uh, how like how frankly like damaging it can be to relationships which it can be you know mm -hmm. it's a really hard thing to do um it's certainly something that's like really impacted the way that i look at my life and my mm -hmm. world and i know that because i feel that i know an audience will feel that too like that's mm -hmm. my that's my natural gut instinct is like if i feel something an audience will feel something mm -hmm. and we're we're really putting in a lot into this and it's it's a tough process it's been very mm -hmm. difficult and everyone here has been a huge trooper and mm -hmm. i'm i'm just so excited that like in less than a month we're going to have this premiere and people are going to be able to watch this in person mm -hmm. and really feel that sensation in the room um a story that may be very different most of the people there won't be filmmakers most of those people may not even be artists mm -hmm. and it'll resonate and I know that because we have uh, a group of actors that are insanely talented that if any, you know, good agent comes to this, will like immediately sign. We have a playwright in Eric who's like a person who has bellies their work with such like an Im immense amount of kindness and truth and heart. And at the same time is willing to really plunge into these very hard, difficult topics um, that are oftentimes left unsaid. And all of this is going to come together into a a, a, a a live theatrical like performance that I think is really going to impact people. And it's more more than worth the twenty six dollars of entry. It's it, it's going to be a real, real moment. And I'm so excited that. I have this group coming alongside the journey with mm -hmm. me. So the, sorry, that was a long answer to that small <laughs> no, question. So. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm sold. I mean, well, I already bought tickets. My <laughs> husband and I are going to be seeing it on opening night. But I mean, this whole conversation, now I'm like so excited <laughs> if, I <wasn't, laughs> if I wasn't before. Um, any, um, where, where can we find all of you guys? Um, or where can we go? And more importantly, where can we go to um, get tickets? I'll post, sure. of course. <laughs> I think we yeah, all yeah. have them in our bios. Um, It'll be in the bio. Link in bio. Link in bio. We have an awesome poster that we actually took pictures at the Metrograph. Um, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So we have our material out there. Um, I think we're all on Instagram. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and I just want to mention for the poster, the photos are taken by Christopher Petrus, who is incredibly talented uh, photographer in new york and uh, santiago malin who's also an actor mm -hmm. great actor and no, good friend a great uh, graphic yes. designed it um but i mean if that post 
that poster should give everyone an indication of how much work we're going to put into this because we we snuck into the metrograph and we took those photos and oh you uh, oh we didn't sneak in they, oh, okay. we talked to them but they let us <laughs> we, co- we, we coerced their employees yeah. into yeah. participating in the photos no, we did, yeah. Yeah. So, that's amazing well it's it runs the um starts on thursday the 27th at 8 p.m and then it runs until let me check my notes it's going to be the 27th, 27th and then the saturday the 29th and friday the 30th Cool. And we're yeah, at the tank, uh, at the attic in the tank. Uh, we have some great stuff. Some of the set design is provided by the Criterion Collection. So, like, we have oh. some really cool stuff. Uh, and not just bought from the Criterion Collection, provided by them. So, uh, yeah, we're re- very excited. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for this conversation. I really, really appreciate it. I'm super stoked for all of you. Congratulations ahead of time. Um, Break legs and end scene. Thank you so much for talking to us and thank you for these were great questions. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yes, of course, Mm -hmm. anytime. And I'll see you guys very soon. Bye. Bye. See you soon.